This is Pastor Kirk Barger, and uh, you've been in the office now two weeks, right? Correct. And you're making Dan and I feel really bad about ourselves because you got so many books. <laughs> if you walk in and you're looking for, the, if you find the office that looks like a pastor's office, you found his. It just looks good. It does look good. <laughs> but hey, Kirk, we're, we're thankful for you. Um, we're glad to have you on staff and look forward to hearing how the Lord uh, teaches us through you today. So thank you. Thanks, Josh. All right, let's it's- welcome Kirk. It's a joy to be here. Thank you. It is a joy to be here with you this morning. And uh, again, I want to share the word with you. But before we do, let's look to the Lord and ask him to open our hearts, prepare our ears and our hearts for what he has to receive from us today. Father, thank you again for what a great day it is. This day that we can celebrate. We look back on Palm Sunday so many years ago. The opportunity... Uh, of a lifetime to see Jesus here, Lord, and, and to see him come into the, the city, riding in, and the rejoicing that took place. But Lord, help us to, even today, some 2,000 years later, to uh, think about that same event, and even today, as Jesus is here, Lord, help us to be prepared to receive uh, your word to hear what the Spirit has to say to us, to guide us in truth, to be challenged from the Word of God. Lord, thank you for the inspired Word of God. May it go forth boldly today. Use your humble servant. Thank you, Father, for an opportunity again to be here and to serve at Wawasee Bible. Lord, we ask as you go before us that uh, you would penetrate our hearts and challenge us to ministry and service. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've ever been in a situation where you arrived somewhere and and someone important was showing up, we were in that situation. We were over in London when we were going to Norway on our uh, survey trip back in 2000. We we fly into London and we get there and we have about eight hour layover and we think, hey, why not? Let's go into town. We've only been up all night. We're exhausted. So uh, we thought, what better way than to run around London and to, uh, to see the sights? And so we did. We jumped on the tube and we, we headed into London, uh, the city itself, about 50 minutes and all excited. And we come up right about, I think it's Westminster Abbey. I think we came up or right there by the bridge. And when you come up, you out, you look, there's Big Ben. Uh, the, the city is right before you. And, and there's people everywhere. I'm trying to figure out... Why are, there so many, why are there barricades? What's going on? And, and we began to look around and, and we heard, we heard that, that possibility that the queen's coming. Like, what? Why is the queen coming into town? She lives down the street at Buckingham, Buckingham Palace. And, and so we were all excited. It's like, the queen's coming. Why is the queen coming? Uh, well, it's the first day of parliament. Ah... So the queen's coming. So what's she going to do? I mean, it, to us, it was just exciting that the queen was coming. And we really didn't understand why. We're not Brits. We, we were a part of that. We, we just got caught up in all the hoopla. And that, and that the queen was coming. And she rode by in her, in her, her uh, carriage. And we got to see. And we took some pictures. And as she goes by, there she was. That was it. That's kind of nice. I saw the queen. <laughs> Ta-da. Yeah, kind of like the end. Okay, great. 
You know, as you open your Bibles, take your Bibles with me this morning, if you've got them or your apps, open up uh, your phones and turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, there's a Bible in front of you in the pew if you need to use that. If you don't have yours today or don't have one, feel free to take a look at that. But Matthew chapter 21, Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 21, and follow along with me as I read verses 1 through 11 from your copy of Scripture. Here's what Matthew wrote, Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, and Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly, sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their their clothes and on the road, and others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes went before them, and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee, I want to set the stage for a moment for you as we look at this passage and think about Jesus as why did he come? Up until now, at this point, Jesus had been, basically it was a coming out time in the last three years, Jesus had been in, uh, in public ministry. And during this time, he had spent his time clearly in that public ministry. He had, he had changed water to wine. He had, he had healed the, the leper. He had, he had made the blind to see again. He fed 5,000. We've heard that even recently as we've been talking about generous life and what it was. He made the lame to walk. He, he, he even, are you ready for this? He even cast out demons. Whoa. This must be some incredible guy. But not only that, are you ready for this? He rose, he raised somebody from the dead. They were dead, and he raised them from the dead. I don't think too many people had done that beforehand. Some in the Old Testament. But who was this Jesus? Well, throughout those three years, he had developed a great following. Many of those that came behind him were very curious. They wanted to know this Jesus, but yet there were those that also hated him and looked to kill him. There were those who saw him because he did great miracles. And we could read throughout the Gospels and see many miracles that Jesus did. But there were also those who were looking for that opportunity to take him out because he affected them. I'm going to take my jacket off because it's affecting my wireless mic and it keeps going in and out. So y'all don't mind that, do you? Didn't think so. If I roll up my sleeves now, we'll really get into preaching. Josh already had his rolled up, so I get it. 
And so we have Jesus being followed by many because of the miracles. There were those that wanted to kill him. And there was also a small band that, that really followed Jesus that, that understood, I believe, who he was, that apparently he was the Messiah. But did they fully understand who he was? So as we come to Matthew chapter 21, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and he's coming in for the Passover. It was a big event, festival, there at the, every year at this time. And the people are excited that the Messiah has come. They're saying, Jesus has come. Who is this man? They don't know who he is, but they're excited because they've seen the miracles that he's done. They believe that Jesus could come in and rescue him. Now, I want, to, I want you to think about it for a minute. I want to, if you could, I want this group over here. Now, we get excited about things, don't we? Y'all get excited? You don't get excited, do you? I don't get excited. I'm spiritual. Yeah, if I say cubs. Yeah. Hooping and hollering and, yeah. Well, picture Jesus in Chicago on the, on the float, okay? Just kind of go with me on this one. I got to get you excited. But join with me if you would. This group over here, Hosanna to the son of David. Say it out for me. Would you? Hosanna to the son of David. That's really weak. How about this group over here in the middle? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A little better. Got one more shot over here. Last phrase. Hosanna in the highest. Okay, now listen. Now, usually I, we do get excited about things. We're watching the final four. I saw some of you get more excited than this. But I know some that really get excited, and, and, and I want to bring them in right now because they get excited. They're not afraid to, to shout and cheer and holler. And come on, Dan, bring them on in. Here we go. Come on down front, kids. There we go. You got your palm fronts? Yeah, you got it. Can you guys hold them up? Hosanna in the highest. Say it with me. Hosanna Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he. That's it. That's good. It doesn't matter. Just wave them. Woo! Yeah. Say it with us. What's yours over there? Yeah, say it again. All together. Keep going. Okay, kids, say it. Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. Why is he here? I don't know, but we're cheering. <laughs> Thanks, kids, for coming in. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Good, you head on out there, Pastor Dan. Where'd he go? Yeah, just just needed you for a few minutes, guys. I wanted to show one you guys to show the adults what it's like to cheer and shout. You did a good job. Thanks, guys. Imagine if you would. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Appreciate it. The crew. Imagine if you would when you were in Jerusalem. Again, you realize that Jesus is coming. He's done these miracles. He's done some amazing things. And maybe, just maybe. He could deliver us. And remember the time, the setting, the Romans had taken over. In fact, uh, Caesar Augustus, back in Luke chapter 2, we know that uh, when Jesus was born, 
that uh, he had risen to power in 31 BC. And it was during that time as Jesus was born that there was a, a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus until about 14 AD. And then Tiberius Caesar actually took over. And during that time then when Jesus' public ministry, Tiberius Caesar was actually in power as well. And so the Romans are there. They're everywhere. They're oppressing them. It's frustrating because they can't get out from under the power of the Romans. But maybe, just maybe, Jesus is going to come and he's going to deliver them. And you think about this. Jesus does come into Jerusalem. But again, I ask you, why did he come? Why did he come? We'll see that in just a few moments. But the people had the right response. They had the correct response. Hosanna to the son of David. There in verse 9, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You know, praise and honor were given to Jesus, and rightfully so. In fact, that term Hosanna from the, from the Old Testament, Hosanna, and it was transliterated into Greek, Hosanna, and then again into English, Hosanna. We, we, we shout the word. We see it everywhere at Easter time, especially on Palm Sunday today. And we celebrate when Jesus came and rode into Jerusalem. And we think about this aspect, that this, this plea that the people made. And if you go back even into Psalm chapter 118, you don't have to go back there this morning, but Psalm chapter 118 verses 25 and 26, they, they, it was basically what Matthew 21, 9 is. They took it directly from Psalm 118. Hosanna in the highest. The word means Save us. Save us. Save us. Deliver us. The Romans were there and they wanted to be delivered. They were crying out, Jesus, the son of David. In fact, the Psalm 118 is a messianic psalm. And the people, as they cried out, they were crying out for their Messiah. They were crying out for him to deliver them. And again, they were right. They were ready. They wanted Jesus to come. They wanted Jesus to deliver them. And as Jesus came in, the problem was, as I've mentioned, they had a correct response but a wrong reason. They wanted him, they wanted Jesus to deliver them, not from their sin, but they wanted him to save their nation from the Romans. The people wanted a conquering reigning king who would come in great military power and throw off the brutal yoke of Rome and establish a kingdom of justice and righteousness. Jesus had said many times the kingdom of God is at hand. And they understood that, that, hey, he's going to do something. He's going to change things. Sound familiar? Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I don't even have to mention it. Change. We're going to see some real change. He's going to deliver us. And so the people had hoped. They wished. They wanted. There are many countries today that are going through the same thing. Whether they've had a, a hand of a dictator or just the oppression of a, of a government that has been heavy upon them for years. That they just want to be delivered. They were glad Jesus was there. It was the correct response, but it was the wrong reason. Unfortunately, they wanted to get back, in a sense, we even talked about this on Wednesday night, they want to get back to the good old days. How many of you remember the good old days? 
Remember the good old days? Nobody raised their hand. They weren't good old days, were they? No. In reality, when we talked about this at our, our 110 group, it was a lot of fun because we talked about, you remember the good old days? Yeah, going down. I said, yeah, I remember going down to the Superior Dairy with my grandparents just down the street from where they were, and we got ice cream. That was one of the good old days. There were a lot of days that weren't good. I remember growing up, I didn't have a lot of good days. I was rebellious. I was a challenge to my parents. Like a lot of you, you all are laughing. You all in the same boat. <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. It's like, yeah, I had the, uh, the Board of Education applied to the seat of knowledge many times, more times. That's why I needed so many books. I, I still ain't got that learning done. And I think the people there in Jerusalem, the Israelites, they wanted a normal life. They wanted what we call the good old days. They wanted nobody telling them what to do. They wanted to go back to where there was no government interference. They wanted no foreign ruling power over them. They didn't want any problems. They just wanted comfort. Just make my lake smooth. Just make things easy again. They wanted Jesus to bring in the kingdom as he had promised. Time and time again, as Jesus talked about the kingdom, they were ready The problem was, though, they had missed truly what Jesus was saying. The real reason was not what Jesus was sharing. They were missing it. Well, it was the real reason, but Jesus, they were missing what Jesus was saying. In fact, even his disciples had missed what Jesus was trying to say. Remember back in Matthew chapter 16. says this, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Peter then took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned to him and said to Peter, get behind me. Satan, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Peter heard what Jesus said. He's got to go to Jerusalem, suffer. And what did he say? He was going to what? He was going to what? He was going to die. He was going to suffer, and he was going to die. And Peter said, come here, Lord. Come here. No, we're not letting that happen. I so appreciate Peter. I really do. There are times that I can be a Peter. I can say things that I think... Why did I say that? Over the years, I've tamed that a lot, thankfully. But how many of us can be like Peter? It's like, no, no, Jesus, we have everything. We've seen you feed 5,000. We've seen you heal. We've seen you raise people from the dead. No, you're not going to die. That's no, wrong. No, no, we need you to rule. Come and take over. And he said, no, get behind me, Satan. Because you have the concerns of whom? The concerns of man. 
You have the concerns of men. See, Peter understood that's what he was thinking. He wanted the man view, the human view, this right here all to continue. Jesus had a different reason. Jesus was looking at it completely from a different reason. You see, Jesus didn't come to deliver him as a nation, not at that point. No, rather, Jesus came for another reason. He came to deliver him from the power of darkness and from the power of sin. Jesus came for the right reason. And the right reason, as found in John 6, 38, Jesus came to do the will of his Father. What was the will of his Father? Well, Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says that Jesus came to give his life a ransom for sin. You see, Jesus came to save his people from the sins, not from the Romans, some 2,000 years ago. Now, I want, you to, I want you to fast forward. I want you to come over with me and Doc Brown and Marty. We're going to open up the doors on the DeLorean. We're going to climb in. We're going to punch in April 9, 2017. Kick up the flux capacitor. <laughs> How fast do we have to go? Yeah, that's right, 88. That's right, 88 miles per hour. And we're going to jump back to the future. <laughs> you ready, Marty? Let's go to Milford, Indiana. And Marty and Doc Brown is like, no, they're not coming through the door today. <laughs> so here we are some 2,000 years later, Milford, Indiana, and, and we're still celebrating this, this entry of Jesus, the story of Jesus as he comes in on Palm Sunday some 2,000 years ago. And so the question I have is today is as Jesus comes to you, what will you do with him? There are two responses really today. One, we can reject him. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you don't have a relationship with him, if you've never become a follower of Jesus and of walking in his steps now, made him Lord of your life, then really no decision is a decision. If you haven't decided to follow him, you're deciding not to follow him. So you are rejecting him. And in one sense, there's nothing lost. But at the same time, there's everything lost. And I would encourage you today, if you haven't made that decision, make it. Make that decision today. It's the the biggest decision of your life as to where you'll spend eternity. But if you have made a decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you're on that journey and you're you're growing, you're learning, you're coming, and maybe you're there, make that decision. But if you have and you've crossed that line and you're following him, realize that Jesus has given us that authority to become children of God. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the authority to become children of God, to those who believe on his name. He has made you a child of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Isn't it great to know that Jesus is, he's my Lord. He's the Messiah. He's my Messiah. But let me challenge your thinking today and stretch your heart, if I could, for a few moments. Why are you glad that Jesus came? Why are you thankful that you made a decision to follow Christ? Is your rejoicing for the right reason? Is the the fact that I made a decision to follow Jesus, is it... 
Is it what he would want? You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Kirk? I don't, I don't understand. Well, maybe we come about it, I think many times, we follow Jesus for the wrong reasons. Some of those reasons may be that, okay, Jesus, I, I want to follow you, but because I, I need you to do something for me. I have a sick friend that I need healed. Maybe for my own healing. God, I, I'll follow you more. I'll, I'll, I'll make a commitment to follow you if you heal me. And see, Jesus isn't, he's not there to bargain with us. He's there to be our Lord and Savior. Maybe it's to resolve financial problems. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, Jesus is going to help us get out of debt. Or maybe out of a difficult situation. Or to, maybe to have the troubles removed. Or, or like I said earlier, just to have our lake smooth. I think so often that we think that if our lake is smooth, then, then Jesus must love us more. That, no. No. How do you think we grow? It's by shooting the rapids, isn't it? Yeah, and sometimes rolling and banging your head on the rock underneath and coming up and going, man, what was that? So I ask, do, do we have the wrong reason that we follow Jesus? Unfortunately, I think many times in the world that we live in today, we talk about people following Jesus and we, talk and we hear them saying, you know, oh, hey, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't see a difference in their lives. I see that they, they just talk about it. Maybe it was a good thing to do then, and maybe he's helped them out of situations. But and it's almost like I've got my genie in a lamp or my get-out-of-hell-free card. I've, I used to teach the teens, and I'd talk about that. Hey, I got my get-out-of-hell-free card. I'm good to go. Woo, I can live like I want. I think sometimes we think that we just we follow Jesus because I want him to make me happy. Folks, let me tell you. Jesus didn't come to make you happy. He came to make you holy. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't come to make you happy. He came to make you holy. Say it with me. Jesus didn't come to make me what? Happy. He came to make me holy. Say it out loud with me. Jesus didn't come to make me He came to make me holy. How important is that in our walk, in having the right reason, really, for receiving Jesus Christ? I want you to think about some, some reasons why Jesus did come and why we received Christ. One, he came to save us. You know, again, I've talked about this a little bit already. That if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're lost. You're lost in your sin. Maybe you don't realize it, but when you, sometimes you don't even realize you're so sick until you find out that you actually are. When the doctor tells you you have cancer throughout your body, you're real. Wow. Well, I'm here to tell you today, you have a spiritual sickness in your body called sin. And you're going to die. And you're going to die without Christ. And Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago, not to deliver us from the Romans, not to make our lives happy, but to save us from our sin. Amen? What a joy. Thankfully, God, thank you. Thank you. We're made into a new creation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You're a new person. Amen? You don't have to be, you don't have to be stuck in that past. I, I love the, 
Hit that next slide if you would, Rocky. Look at this. Butterflies. You know, some of you, we used to be, well, all of us, if you know Christ as your Savior, used to be a caterpillar. Did you know that? Did you know that? Used to be a caterpillar. But when we're in Christ, we're, we're in that shell and then that new creation takes place. In that chrysalis and then, and then some, we, we pop out in this beautiful butterfly. But you know what a lot of us like to do? We crawl around on the ground with wings. Why is that the case? When I have beautiful butterfly wings and, and I end up living like a caterpillar. Why? We are morphed. That, that means we're transformed. You know we're the original transformers? Did you know that? Optimus Prime's got nothing on me. I got Holy Spiritus. That's the difference. We are the real transformation. We're different. We are made into the image of Christ. Not only did he come to save us, though. God's not done with me yet. He's also now, he came to make us what? Holy. Absolutely. He came to make me holy. He came to what we call, in that big theological term, sanctify. You have to say it in the right tone. It sounds more spiritual. Sanctification. Tom, I've heard you said that. You've you got to get that sanctification. It's like it means something. Then I really change it. Basically, it just means to be set apart. He's taken us. He set us apart to be used for His glory, to make us holy. Now, let me tell you, if that's what you, if you're a follower of Christ, and that's what He has for you, realize this: it's not going to be easy. Sometimes maybe the lake will be smooth, but usually it's only for a short period of time as he's going to do something in us then that the rapids require. First Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Peter gives a command that was actually taken from Leviticus, which God commanded his people to be holy. In fact, Turn back there. If you've got your Bibles or your apps, turn back to chapter 1 of First Peter, verses 15 and 16. I love this passage. I'll go back to verse 13, actually. By the way, Peter is an amazing book. First and second Peter, those letters. Think about who Peter was and the things he went through. The stupid stuff that he did, a lot like me. But yet, God said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to write two books of the, of the New Testament. I actually, I helped actually Mark as well, I believe. The Gospel of Mark. But look what Peter says. And it's a great study. If you want to go through Peter and find out how God transformed Peter's life to what he thought was over to an amazing Servant of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in some of your conduct. Is that right? 
Oh, there's that word again. All means all, and that's all means. It's really simple. I mean, honestly, even for, for some of us, we, we can get this. I can. I look at that and go, oh, okay, that means most of it. No, that means all. Because it is written, then he says, and he quotes some Leviticus, uh, be holy for I am holy. Stop walking in your own lust, your old self. Stop being crawling around on the ground like a butterfly. I mean, like a caterpillar with your wings tucked back. Stop acting like the old self and be a new person. You are new. Be holy. Peter also says that this holiness is a process. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Anybody know that verse? I bet somebody does. Just don't want to call it out, do you? Anybody know that one? But grow in the grace. And we're going to have to learn some verses here. You know, as your equipping pastor... They didn't know what they were getting into, did they, Josh? You didn't know what you were getting into. <laughs> can, we, can we second get? No. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And I believe God is going to work in us as a church, too. I'm so thankful for Josh and for Dan and all they do. And I want to be there to help you guys grow as well as they do. But we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you today. Are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord Jesus Christ? Are you? Are you studying his word? Are you memorizing scripture? Is it applying it to your life? Is it, does it make a difference when I leave the church here on Sunday morning and I go home and I have to, I, I go to the bank or I, I go to the grocery store or, or something somewhere, you know, I work with the teens and I can't get my locker open. God, you must not love me anymore. It's, it's frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. Or I got an F on a test. Oh no. Oh no. Life is over. No, maybe painful later, but it's not over. God says, I want to make you holy. And he wants then to make us into the image of Christ. Romans chapter 8. Again, a verse I know you're all familiar with. Romans chapter 8. Verses 28 and 29. He says, Paul says to the church in Rome. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Remember, this is the church in Rome. These are the people that had been suppressing them, oppressing them, ruling over them. This is a church of believers now in Rome. God's doing amazing work, isn't he? Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. His goal is to make us holy. It's a command. It's a process. He's making us into the image of Christ. That is his goal in our lives today. And also, we have to be willing then to work in the ministry, as it, which is a manifestation of a changed life. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. You're familiar with verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But then verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. For what? For what? Good works. That's not, a, that's not saving us. It's a result of salvation. A manifestation of a changed life. It's the wings that he's given us as butterflies to fly. But when we choose not to use the wings, we're basically saying, God, you really didn't change me. I'm still stuck in the past. 
I'm not really a butterfly. You are. Maybe you don't believe it today. He's created us for good works. So really, all that to say today that Jesus, why did he come? Well, one, he didn't come to make you happy. Rather, he came to make you holy. So you say, great, that sounds wonderful. But what does that look like practically? A lot of times, it's a great question you have to ask, so what? What do I do with it? And that's a valid question. So let me, let me give you some, some ways. Let me encourage you with some ways that I've jotted down. And, and here's some ways that you can remember really what my goal as equipping pastor is for you at this church. Two ways I want to help you. One, I want to help you to grow. I want to help you to be able to learn more about Jesus. I'm just following right in line with what Pastor Josh shares here. Sunday mornings, what Pastor Dan shares in the uh, in the teens or in the kids group, Mike and Myra in the teen groups, our one ten groups. It's the same focus. It's to help you to grow by learning about Jesus. Here's some of those practical ways. Now you can learn about Jesus. It's become, by becoming part of a one ten group. If you're not a part of a one ten group, I know situations don't allow us to be a part of one ten group sometimes because of jobs or different. Uh, you know, it, it just doesn't allow me to. But if you're not, just because you're not, that's a bad reason. I think if we want to grow as a church, we need to be involved. Oh, you can sit here; that's no problem. But if you really want to serve, if you want to grow, I want to help you to grow by becoming a part of a 110 group because it's our small communities outside this big community here. It's during the week when somebody struggles with something that I can call my 110 group and say, guys, I'm struggling. We've got a, actually a message group through Facebook. We can fire a text off right away and they'll be praying for us. So that's one way. By getting involved in various Bible studies. I know there's a ladies' Bible study. That's a great way for ladies to get together, to grow in Christ. We'd like to see some more. Josh and I have been talking a little bit, and Dan as well. We meet, and uh, we've been talking about possible men's ministries. If you have a heart for men and want to see them grow in Christ, come see me. Come see Josh. We want to get you plugged in. We want to get things where they will be beneficial for you to grow in Christ. Guys, I think we, we have got this mindset, this philosophy that we think we can be, we are a loner. We're, we're a lone ranger. We're, we're Rambo. I'm going to go into the jungle and I'm going to take them all out by myself. It's just me. I got it. No, I'm sorry. You know, no, we don't need to be Rambo. We don't need to be John Wayne. We need to lock arms and lift each other up when one starts to go down. That's a teamwork. So men's ministries, one-on-one discipleship, accountability programs, these are some things that uh, just I have some vision as to how we can grow as a church. And I want to help spearhead some of those opportunities. They're not all going to happen at once. Realize that. Not next week that's not all going to happen. If it did, well, they'll be carrying me out. Uh, but we, we need your help as well. 
So that's, there's some ways. Uh, by even being trained through Doctrine Wednesday. We haven't had some Doctrine Wednesdays for a while, and uh, we, Josh and I talked about this as well, and uh, just some opportunities again. And some of that may look a little different than what we've done, whether it may be Doctrine Wednesday. I've also done some past studies called Equipped for Life, and uh, it's different topics that would cover anything from fear and worry to parenting to, uh, to husband and wife relationships to forgiveness, knowing how to... How many of you really know how to... De- Take care of a problem. You know, when a problem arises at home, I think a lot of us, we don't know what to do. Biblically, there's principles and practices and ways that we can help you and encourage you and equip you for life. Not only at home, but in your job, everywhere, everywhere. Different ways that God has has given us opportunities. Uh, Through biblical counseling training, it's another thing that I'm I'm very passionate about. Because I think everything that affects me, this word, the word of God, biblical counseling training affects you and affects everything that you do, whether it's sitting across the counter at, at a grocery store or talking to a grocery store lady, you know, the, or across the, uh, at, a, at a restaurant, and I'm sitting there and somebody says, you know, I just found out my, my child's struggling with, with homosexuality. <laughs> well, what do I do? Everything that we need to live life in godliness is right here. I believe that. It's called the sufficiency of the scriptures, and I believe that. So those opportunities will be down the road, too, through leadership training, seminar weekends. Josh and I talked about some seminar weekends, having some folks come in and uh, setting up some of those. We don't know what that looks like yet. We're, we're, it's fleshing it out, trying to see what, what the church wants, needs, how we can grow you. Growing in Jesus, learning more about Jesus. Second way is not only to help you grow, but is to help you go. This is basically serving Jesus. Helping you to grow. And then once you're growing, as you're growing, you go. And that doesn't mean, I'm not talking about sending you to, all the way to uh, Mozambique or Sweden or Norway where we've been. No, I'm talking about right here. Start here. In your church. There's a lot of opportunities serving with Connect Ministries. Whether you want to be an usher or a greeter or even serve out at the Connect desk. If you want to, Randy Jessup's back here. You can talk to Randy. Randy, raise your hand. Back there. Talk to Randy if you're interested in that. Or catch one of us. We'll connect you with Randy. Serving with sound, facilities, maintenance, set up or tear down. See Tim Stifler or Mike, uh, Mark Jackson. I think Mark's back there. Mark, yeah, there he is. He's up in the sound booth tonight or today. Whatever time it is. It's somewhere. It's night. It's somewhere. Talk with Mark. Some other opportunities. Uh, serving in the nursery or with, uh, with toddlers. Hannah over here. Raise your hand, Hannah. Uh, or Myra. Myra is also part... Oh, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. Uh, Pastor Dan, I'm sorry, you guys are coming up. I looked at the wrong line. Pastor Dan, if you want to help with uh, nursery or toddlers, uh, also children's ministries or impacts, see Pastor Dan. He was in here this morning. You saw him. He was the crazy one with the kids. Talk to Pastor Dan. We need help. The uh, Salt Company, Mike and Myra. There we go. I got you on the right one there. Thought you were in the kids group, weren't you? We move you all around. Didn't realize that. So talk to Mike and Myra, too, if, they're, if you're interested in helping out with Salt Company. Uh, missionary Care Team, we are working on developing that. My wife, actually, Annette, back there, raise your hand if you would. My sweet wife, uh, we have a passion about missions as well, because we've been involved in missions. So we want to develop a missionary care team that, that takes care of our missionaries, not only here at home, but around the world. 
uh, again, helping lead 110s groups. Uh, that's all in the church. Now, how about locally? Harvest for the Heart, uh, Ann. I know Ann's back there. She's got some uh, opportunities uh, in Milford as well as Karina. I don't know. I didn't see Karina this morning. Is she here? Didn't see her. Okay. Uh, Harvest Coffee, a new, a new area right downtown in, in, uh, in Milford that's going to have open opportunities to meet people in the community locally and talk to them about Jesus or about life. That's where knowing the Word of God comes in. Just share in your heart. Say, well, you know, I know what I learned and I know... Here's a way that I can affect that ministry. Food bank, we've helped on Thursday night. What a joy. What a hoot. We had a blast just loading pallets full of stuff and eating jelly beans. They were, wasn't that good? Yeah, some of them were. <laughs> it depends on which one you got. Filling bean bags for people that don't have a meal. You know what? It's showing the love of Christ through our actions and then have an opportunity to share with people, pray with people there. That's the food bank. That's locally. Or what we've also, what I would call globally or even locally, because we have missions both here and around the world. But again, missionary care team, a trip to India. Josh is looking to plan again, or at least we're heading that direction towards uh, going to India again. What a great way to open your eyes and maybe the Lord would move you to missions. Helping with missionaries even to get ready to go. Let's go. Guys, are, they need some help. They need help setting up uh, uh, special events as well. They're, we're trying. We're trying to get you to the field. It's like, come on, come on. Yeah, and, you, and you're, you can't wait, can you? I know the feeling. We've been there. We know it. It's like, ugh, come on. Hang in there. We got you. Or even work trips, opportunity for ways to serve. You've got a uh, bulletin today. If in your in your bulletin, there's a connect card. And on that connect card, it says at the top, "I want to join a 110 community group." If you uh, if you're interested, put it in the offering plate today. Send that through. Or the second line down says, I would love to start serving. If you want to help in some way to volunteer or whatever it might be, jot it down on that Connect card today. So, folks, as I wrap up this morning, basically, I want to, I want to ask you again, why did Jesus come? Well, he came not to make us happy, not to make our lakes smooth, but to grow us. Sometimes that takes us through some deep waters, some tough times. But in the process of that growth, God is making you into the image of his son. He's conforming you to the image of his son so that when people look at you, they go, what makes you tick? Man, you are different. I've had people call me weird. That's okay. Not right, Melody? Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? It's making us holy. God has called us to be set apart for his service. Growing in Christ, going for Christ. Let's pray. And the band's going to come up and we're going to play some more. We're going to take some offering. Josh, let's pray. Father, thanks again for the word of God. Thank you for the truth. It sets us free, Father. Father, as you set us free as butterflies to fly, Lord, help us to to soar high as eagles. Lord, help us to climb to the heights where only you would have us to reach. And it's only in your strength and power that we can grow in you and go to serve you. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity today. May we as a church reach out to those around us. 
Maybe if there is someone here today who's made a decision to follow Christ, I'll let one of us know. Father, we want to invite people to follow Jesus with us because we love him. Thank you, Jesus. We ask all this in your name. Amen.